0: Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here with the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest CEO and founder of Salesforce Europe, Rick. What's up, man? Thank you for joining. How are you?
1: are you doing, Amir? Thank you for having me.
0: Where are you based? What's what, 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 where, are you, where are you at the moment? I know you're yeah. I know I'm, you're in Europe. An
1: American from San Francisco with an Italian name based in Madrid and our, our coverage is Europe.
0: How do you like Madrid? So it's a good Madrid's I've been there. Good. It's a nice city.
1: It's great, great quality of life, um beautiful city, nice people, really booming uh, ecosystem in the tech space. So Spain and Madrid are great, great place to work.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I I'm I'm a big fan. So so for 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 those listening or if it's the first time listening on the show or repeat guests uh, a lot of times we have people that have tried outsourcing before and they um, failed to have the results that they want, then they hire SDRs internally and then they need to go back and hire an outsource company because they need leads or companies that are thinking about doing it for the first time. And uh, they, the goal is just to be super transparent and, and talk about mistakes that people make so that if listening, those mistakes can be avoided. Um, before getting into that, I would love to, to you know hear first how you got into the outsourced sales world to begin with. Sure.
1: Well, Europe is a is a difficult market to crack for for mainly well for any companies. But but our first focus was U.S. inbound companies. So, uh, San Francisco tech companies looking to to open Europe. We started with enterprise sales. In fact, um, really more senior people targeting larger enterprises, telco, banks, retail, etc. That was about twenty years ago when I when I first launched the company. Um, Then we kind of expanded into enterprise SaaS, mid-market sales, and then about 10 years ago, where there's more and more need to be able to put the content in front of people and educate people before or during or after the the sales process. And so we we launched a really serious lead generation services about 10 years ago, Um, and now lead generation... I uh, incorporate probably two thirds of our business, so we're we're unique in the sense that we do lead generation, inside sales, and enterprise sales. But we actually came at it from the other direction. We started with enterprise sales, and then um, moving to kind of mid market, and then just really the market demanded the the education had to be out to be, to be there to drive pipeline for for market entry for um, for any, any kind of technology sales in Europe.
0: Uh, so you've learned a lot and seen a lot, right? I think I think over the past. 50, I think you've been so so Salesforce Europe's been for about 10 years or is it 15 years or 20 years 20,
1: 20, 2003 we, 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 we've founded the company people so always you've seen you've
0: seen it all
1: yeah yeah we, we actually launched the same time salesforce.com came to Europe so I thought it was a clever name 20 years ago I didn't think they' would take over the world but yeah left us alone but yeah sales outsourcing and lead generation has changed quite a bit it was quite novel uh, in, in the past when we started then you know lead generation became more and more accepted. And, and actually with, with COVID and the pandemic and the whole work from home, um, hybrid working teams, et cetera, uh, it's really opened up the world of people are saying, you know it doesn't really matter if people are employed, if people are working through employment of record, if people are working through a third-party company, as long as they're delivering to a plan and as and part of the team, then, then, then we can be successful. So yeah, it's, it's changed quite a bit. And even now, even more so when we're looking into next year, what's going to happen next year? What's the economy going to be like? There's even, I think, more demand for, for sales outsourcing, lead generation, you know, lowering risk um, and, and focusing on revenue.
0: Yeah, and I see the, the email newsletters that you guys send. I think you do a lot of research, uh, uh, getting information about what's going on in the market and sharing that, which is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm always checking that out. So anybody listening, um, Rick has an awesome newsletter doing surveys and getting you back data. Um, so you've been around for a while. You've seen the mistakes. Talk to me. What is the most common mistake? And I always remind that mistake is not like they're not going to buy from you, but mistake as in that they're getting hit at the wrong agency. They're going to be unhappy. Like, what is this, this, this repeating theme that you've seen over time? Because I'm sure it probably hasn't changed much, right?
1: Sure. Yeah, the, the number one mistake that we see is, is, is poor planning. Um, people are, are poor planning or, or resistance to share that planning with with third party partners so we have probably nine out of ten first calls i have with clients i asked them before the call send me your plan send me your objectives revenue objectives cost structure what's the current structure of your existing team what's not working for you and people just want to talk about it which is great but at some point you need to put pen to paper you need to put you know what is our plan what are our objectives um, and, and that's the number one um, issue is, is people not thinking about preparing for it. If they're going to speak with one agency. Or they're going to speak with 10. Put a plan together. It could be a page long. It could be 10 pages long. Put it in front of the companies and the people that you're talking to and then build on that plan. And that shouldn't be a plan that you just have to kind of kick something off. But that should be really your working plan ongoing because you will learn every market is different and you need to adopt that plan to your learnings in the field.
0: So so are, are we talking about a, uh, an execution plan like a go to a GTM plan, a go to market plan or, or or a procurement plan? Is it is it more of a plan of like how to compare agencies or is it more of like here's the go to market plan that they're missing? L- which is kind of plan. It is yeah.
1: Okay, I'm in the US and I want to crack Europe or I'm in the UK and I want to expand in the UK. Where where do I go? So have you done planning on what markets that you want to go into? Have you done planning on how you want to structure your team. I mean, how many? What revenue do you want from this new market? How many salespeople do you need for that market? How many lead generation people? If a lead generation, that full-time person provides, let's say, 10 leads a month, and what's the ratio from a lead to an opportunity to a deal? And is that going to get you to, to your revenue? So just a structure or maybe some market analysis, what countries you want to go to, what languages you, you can support, what the, the structure of that team is going to look like, What's the ideal lead generation team? What's working for you in your home market? So should we look to replicate that in the new market? What the salespeople should look like? What's the profile of the salespeople, profile of the lead generation people? All all that can be documented. What are the revenue targets I expect to get out of the new market? How long is that going to take to scale? Because you're not going to get in three months. What are you going to see in Q1, Q2, Q3? And be realistic about that. Sometimes we see that in clients. They have a really realistic view, and they say, "This we want to hit these numbers a year from now." And we're like, "Great! Now that's something that we can deliver." Other companies say, "Well, yeah. it's taken us three years to get in the home market, but now we're really good, and it's going to take three months in a new market," which is, which is yeah. not the case. You know, new markets will take long—you know, a year to crack, even if you're a well-established company in your in your home market.
0: So, so if everybody listening, guys, I mean, there's a repeating theme here, right? Rick's been doing this for 20 years. Um, those that have a plan tend to get better results, those that do not tend to be unhappy. Is that safe to say?
1: Definitely, definitely. So, and don't be afraid to, to put numbers in that plan. Just because you share with me, you're going to spend 20000 on lead generation doesn't mean you're going to spend it with me, right? But if you say, hey, we've got 20000 a month as a budget. And with that, we want to deliver a million in revenue. Can you get us there? And, and, and we can show you, or other teams, teams should be able to show you, you know how you're going to get it. Or if you build your own, you're probably looking, can I build my own? How long is it going to take me? What's that structure going to look like? And so, yeah, you, you need to have numbers in, in the plan.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And, and, and it's a big deal, right? I think I think that there's been over the last 20 years, an explosion yeah. in sales technology, sales tools like Velocity, right? You got data providers, but what there hasn't been is uh, anyone really helping people with a go-to-market plan. And, and it's almost as if it's like just not sexy, right? So people are like a plan is not sexy, so let, let's just ignore it. Let's talk about it. But I always tell people like I'm in this big building, but it's like, hey Rick, if I told you that I built this building by just throwing some cement together, some steel together, would you get in it? Probably fucking not, right? Um but that's what people do, right? They they want to they'll get into buildings that were built on a plan. Their whole plat their their technology platforms you want to sell have a product requirement document and a roadmap. So they, they know about planning, but then they don't do it with sales and marketing, and then and then it, it hurts their results, right? So um, anybody listening to this, I'm like, I I, I agree with Rick here. Um, I think that I think that not having a plan, and you probably would agree, leads to other problems, right? Like you start shopping with price because you don't have a plan. So all of a sudden you go to natural instincts and like you're negotiating, right? Versus like you said, being like, here's the goal, here's what we have to get there what part can you do right yeah. um, so just just could, like, like if you guys are listening to this i'm like we has probably talked to what 400 500 customers in 20 You're years yeah five, 500
1: next year yeah,
0: just yeah. Just right so 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 that's a that's a is there any is there any go to market plan template or 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 places that people can build their plan like do you, where do you, how do you recommend people build a go to market plan is it should they speak to you and you build yeah, it with I mean- them yeah. You
1: know, go, it's, it's one of those things you, 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 you know, any, well, I would say most sales managers would, would do a go to market plan maybe two to three times in their entire career. Let's say a global go to market plan. It, it's not something that you're going to do every day. So if you're doing it two or three times, not a year, sorry, two, two, three times in, in, in a lifetime in, in, a, in a career. So our suggestion would be you, you, you hire a consultant, you hire somebody who does this every day, day in, day out. They know how to analyze new markets. They first analyze your own business. Uh, And one of the core elements that people forget is is identifying and then testing and confirming your ideal customer profile in your home market. So who's really working well for your home market and your products. If you have a broad portfolio, which products are working best? What are the ideal customer profile for those customers? Do a good market analysis in a new market and build it around that. So we would say... Use a third party to do that go-to-market strategy because it's, it's, um, it's, it's easy to do it okay, it's hard to do it really well, and that 10%, 20% doing it really well can be the difference between succeeding and not succeeding. We, we say the same thing about building a, a partner program or a channel program, like it's something that somebody might do two, three, four three, four times in their career. But you can hire people who do it every every day, every week, and so there's. Would you there's would you call ones.
0: that? Would you call that? You know, like like we we you know we as Cloud Task we're trying to like start defining these things so that they have definitions because it's kind of like a black hole. Would you call that if we were to put a name on it, like a market validation campaign? Like knowing that your campaign's genetics, the the actual core of your campaign is market validation, meaning that like you're actually validating channels, validating messages. Yes, you might get meetings. Yes, you'll get you'll get sales because that's a byproduct of successfully messaging the right person at the right time. But is it this concept that like people without having a validation a marketing campaign, a validation campaign, they go to a campaign designed for an ROS return on sales. And then it's like, if you don't have this market validation campaign, you're just missing like the backbone of your whole campaign. Is that, would you call it that term? I started saying that. Wouldn't,
1: yeah, I mean, I would maybe say that you do a go-to-market strategy, go to market, whatever you want to call it, document, plan, there's debate, uh, what do you call it, a strategy, or what do you call it, a plan, we, I think we call it a plan, there's strategy and tactics with, within the plan. And, and maybe that first year of the plan is the market validation. So you might say, here's the plan, it's a three-year plan, we're gonna go from the US to Europe, we're gonna start in UK, France, Germany, that's gonna be our validation year. And if we deliver the results in those years, Then we will expand to Spain or expand Lux or something like that in year two. two. So I would say that market validation is maybe part of that plan or it could be one country or it could be one vertical or it could be one product. So maybe an element of that. So we're going to limit to the investors. We're going to validate it. We're going to limit your investment to one million. We expect to get X out of it. And assuming we we deliver that, then we will expand. Um, There's also a, a product market fit, your product market fit, which is both the product but also the sales and marketing tools, the pricing, the positioning, everything that goes around the product, that's also gonna be different from the US to Canada, to Mexico, to the UK, to France. Every, every market mm-hmm. is gonna be slightly different and, and they need to have time to be aware and, and incorporate those subtleties of the difference Is part of that plan, as part of that market validation because you might validate one market in or in one market out in that in that same process. You might yeah. land in the UK and say, wow, we've got three competitors in the US, three competitors in, in Europe. They're all already in the UK because that's where they went first. It's too hard to compete. But there's only one in France and Germany and Spain because of language difficulties. So, you know, that my validation is going to be six, more successful in those markets.
0: Yeah, even thinking it deeper listening to you. It's almost like people are, I think, a little bit Uh, A not accepting of the fact that failure is success, right? That you're actually in a way, when you pay a sales rep, pay a marketing agency, pay a sales agency, the data you get back that might be negative is also what you're paying for, right? Because if you find out, like you said, that there's a certain amount of competition in a certain region versus another region, that negative information is really positive in the sense that a company could be, blind to that and then build its assets and go to market in the wrong region and a compounded effects of poor sales performance can cost millions of dollars right yeah. so it, it's almost as if like have you ever had customers that were like "Rick thank you for finding out that nobody likes our product if we didn't know this we would be we would be in that situation um is that because it's almost like you go to a doctor's sure. o- yeah you, you go to a doctor's office and you get tested negative news could be positive, right? You could you could be like, oh, I. Find it early, I you I, found it early. you so might I'd
1: better find out early than, than, than
0: Not positive. positive. that you find it. Yeah, positive that you find it early. But all of a sudden, B two B, it's not like that. Why do you think yeah, that is? Well,
1: just know where to focus, right? Um, because you know a lot of clients don't want to hear bad news, and and they see this information as excuses for failure. You know, I, I wasn't able to sell because there's too much competition. We're too expensive. Okay, that might be. maybe you're too expensive or maybe the salesperson is not that good or maybe the positioning is not that good or maybe they're not trained well enough to be able to position you well against competition and, and win. But if you have a product that's very similar to the competition and you're arriving two or three years late and the competition has an office of 20 people in a market and you're just starting with one lead generation, one lead generation, one salesperson, you know, why are they going to buy from you? So you need to have something super compelling, um, you know, if, if you're in that case. and. And maybe it's simply, hey, let's not do this market, let's let's do another market that's gonna be easier for us to crack. And then maybe once we get some economies of scale and, and improve the company and, and get in a place where actually we can meet the competition, then we, then we come back in, into that market.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what mistakes do people make when working with you, right? Like, cause there's obviously purchasing mistakes, right? And sometimes it's purchasing mistakes. You know the will trickle down to the actual performance but during the campaign is there this repeating theme over the last 20 years that like you were like man if this, these buyers did this this and this they'd get what they want and i wouldn't be you know worried about this account what, what kind of behaviors are they doing that that are counterintuitive to the results they're looking for so
1: you know one is we're a third party but treat us like part of your company so Not I guess number one is we use the customer's email, we have the customer on our LinkedIn, we're an extension of their team. It doesn't make a difference if we're employed by them, or if we're using an employer of record company, or if we're a third party selling on their behalf, we're part of the team. And so the more people treat us like part of the team, we're on QBR sales calls, we go to sales events, You know, the more we're part of the team, the more successful we're going to be. The more our reporting flows up, really integrate as part of the, the business planning, the more successful we'll, we will be. So I think that's that's one big element. Um, having time to support uh, an outsource team, whether it's lead generation internally or lead generation internally, you, you need sales management support time to be able to support it. You need finance time, time you need operations time, you need technology time, all that needs to have capacity, uh, product development time to be able to take that, manage the team well, take that feedback, act on that feedback. I mean, we have clients that we're waiting six months for a legal agreement to go into a new market. Um, and just because they're legal was not prepared to take on a new market. So all elements of the business have to be prepared.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, right? I think a lot of times people will buy from an outsourced sales providers because they've, uh, in, and they fail to do it internally. Right. And a lot of times they failed internally is because they didn't give the support, they didn't give the coaching, they didn't give the tools. They didn't give the feedback, they didn't get the communication. And they you know, have this mindset that by hiring a company, some things will change and they will, the things that will change are the expertise been there, done that, um, the, the market, the, like knowing the market, but what doesn't change is that teamwork, right? So if you're going to hire an outsourced sales company, you might not have to do a lot of things that you normally would have to do, but that should allow you to focus more time on the communication, on inviting the QBRs and increasing that, that communication because it doesn't go away. Right. And, go away. and I keep really reminding people listening that like SDRs and AEs are very much like a baton race. Right. It's like it's like someone's running with a baton and someone has to catch it. Right. And if you don't have that feedback between that baton being that meeting. Right you're going to drop the baton. You drop the baton. You don't close sales. You don't close sales. You're frying with somebody. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's all, that's all awesome information. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I love the fact that you've been there for such a long time and you've seen all this, 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 all of this change happened, but one thing has probably remains the same. People need qualified meetings, right? That's the big thing. Um, do you see people that are neglecting their pipeline and, and, and coming to you got, you coming too late where they have a certain goal and then they want to hit that sales goal but they want to start small and 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 it's the exact opposite they should be starting big because of math and then trickling down do you see a lot of like what are you seeing now in this current marketplace as it's like everybody thinks we're in a recession are we in a recession are we going to recession? Yeah. what what do you see in a macro environment that that you want to tell people buyers like well, what's the because I see people waiting for the last second and that that's yeah, my what, I mean
1: what, what, we're seeing a bit of everything we are we're seeing I think people are more aware now of, mm-hmm. of the math that you need to build pipeline that you need to talk to, let's say you know two hundred unique people to get let's say 20, 20, 30 marketing qualified leads out of those two hundred unique people that are, yeah. data built based on your ideal customer profile. So they're not random, but they're very, very focused. If you can then get 10 to 15% of them communicating with you, interacting. So a marketing qualified lead, and then maybe a third of those to a sales qualified lead. So that's kind of eight to 10 per month, and then three to four opportunities. And then one to two deals, you know, that's... That we were MQLs
0: for each other for years.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, was
0: kind of, we were quietly checking each other's yeah, stuff. So that,
1: that's that's how it works and and that sales pipeline can take 3 or 4 months. The sales pipeline can take 3 or 4 months. And so, you know, if things go as planned, that's really Q, Q3 revenue. So, it's now December 13th. I mean, if you're not signing or kicking off training of a of a lead generation team now and getting them ready to kind of hit the market in in, in January, you know you're not going to be getting the, the the deals and remember also Europe in this sense really slows down July and August so then if if you're not building up pipeline and getting opportunities in Q1 Q2 Europe slows down your whole 23 is 2023 is squeezed into September through December for 4 months yeah. of delivery numbers and so you know you you really need to be hitting the market now if you want results next year
0: I agree and you have to hit it higher actually because of math, it's not backwards. It's not like do a smaller thing because if you have a nine-month sales cycle, you're gonna to have to ramp up opportunities in the beginning to close in the yeah. year. Uh, tell and me and about- it's, it's an easy,
1: well, just one more thing. It's an easy ROI too. I mean, if you know if the math that I was talking about, even out of 200 people you're targeting to, if, if you close one and your are let's say monthly, let's say your, your ACV is uh, 10K, and and a sales uh, uh, an all inclusive and, and an ACP's average product.
0: contract value for those Eight listening. Nine, to to yeah, the average term.
1: contract value is you know uh, your sales all inclusive. Let's say ten k a month. Okay, one person is generating a year's worth of revenue. Well, that client should stick with you for two or three or four years, right? So, mm-hmm. so the math is pretty simple. If if you're generating that, he's generating that that much in revenue. And so, I mean, I think people it's important to you know manage your burn rate, but at the same time. Look at what that, those leads are going to deliver you in, in ROI and, and, and invest accordingly because it, the numbers are quite clear.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Tell me about your best. So I know that you work with a lot of people, right? So like we've we got this 80-20 rule where we want to we talk about the the, the the best fit. So that, so when I get you to, to answer these questions, it doesn't mean that you don't service some people because I know you service a lot of people. But yeah. you have to pick one, computer software or service company.
1: Not services. I mean, services are, are definitely harder to sell. So I, I would good say software. Yeah, software. I mean, a couple of our of our clients um, in the the hardware space are quite are, are quite good. I mean, we we've got a couple of clients in the hardware space.
0: Hardware wasn't a choice, Rick.
1: <laughs> we have more clients in the hard, in the software space for sure. Guys, so, I'll tell maybe, you this: what
0: what, what anyone's mid, listening to is yeah, I would yeah. say
1: mid market SaaS of kind of let's say um, average contract value uh, for a year.
0: Fifty thousand to a hundred
1: thousand. There you go. So, yeah. So mid market to low enterprise.
0: I think that's that's a hottest. And, and anybody listening, remember, like why we do these podcasts, why we do these calls. Rick works with so many people. He's worked with. He's worked with probably every industry, right? And 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 most agencies are competitive. They're winners. Rick has been competing and winning for twenty years. He wants to win. He wants to win by getting leads. So you could see that the tendencies that they'll work with everybody. This question is not saying that, that you guys don't work with service companies or hardware companies. Just we want the people yeah. that, that can get service a home run. Service so,
1: generally are hard, harder. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of interesting platforms that have services that enable those platforms. So that's, so a, value. That, that's, a, that's a value add. Would and you say that your
0: super strength is, is breaking into Europe? Like if I'm an American company listening to this, do I want to talk to Salesforce Europe to break into Europe? I'm a, I'm a software company, $50,000 ACV, looking for a campaign in UK or um, EMEA. Is that where yeah, you guys just yeah, so shine?
1: We, we, yeah, we, we, we do EMEA. Um, Europe is our core, but Africa is one of our hot markets. Middle East is a hot market right now, so um, Europe is, is the core. But yeah, that's what we focus on, is Europe to Europe, US to Europe, or you know, really launching and growing the European
0: market. A- anybody listening, um, If you are a computer software company and you are 50,000 ACV looking to break into Europe, Rick is your guy. I always knew that. I knew the answer. I'm like, the name is Salesforce Europa, so we kind of know that. Uh, Any advice for somebody who might not be ready to outsource, might not be ready to hire sales for the answers, they just want to do it themselves and they want to pick maybe a country that is in Europe that is just a little bit more responsive to outbound sales. Is there a country in particular that has better uh, performance?
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're doing it your own, if you're an English speaker, um, the Nordics and the Benelux are, are probably easier to reach in because they're, they're English friendly. They're smaller markets. Maybe maybe the Nordics, I, I, would, I would choose. Um, they're open to new technology. They don't mind somebody calling in from the outside. Uh, I would also say, though, it's hard to be successful calling in from the outside. So I would say you know, find a partner and, and pay a partner or hire somebody, but put somebody in Europe because there's always competition. Um, and if you're selling in from the abroad, people, they think, you know, have they made the commitment? Do they understand the subtleties? Do they understand GDPR regulations and currency regulations, etc.? cetera? So um, it's, we work with a lot of companies that have failed doing it from the outside, spent years on it, then have come late to the market. So our suggestion is start small. But but put somebody somehow in, in Europe and in, in starting one country or one region is fine.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. Rick, I really. Uh, what time is it there? Eight o'clock at night? Now it's early six five five.
1: Eight o'clock at night is, 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 is football time, so we're not going to. Hey. Be-
0: no, you will What's
1: not. Last few games of the World Cup.
0: Anybody listening, if they want to contact you, what is the best way to connect with you to get so into your newsletter?
1: Salesforce Europe com um, or my email is. Rick Pizzoli. Uh, well, easier to find a website than spelling my name. So salesforceeurope.com all together altogether, and um, and send us uh, send us a note.
0: Rick, you're the man. I appreciate working with you. I look forward to helping uh, the the right customer find you guys through our marketplace when they come through our marketplace or directly when they just listen to our contact uh, our content. Um, everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Transform Sales Podcast. And uh, this is it for today with with uh, our guest Rick and Salesforce Europe. Rick, thank you, man. Fantastic. Thank you, Amir. Keep doing the surveys and sharing the data. I read it all.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. See you, man. Take care.